Well, good morning. Welcome to City Reach Oakton. If you're viewing for the first time, my name is Timon Benson. I'm the senior pastor here at City Reach Oakton. Um, if you are a regular, you'll notice that I have something on my face. I've been growing an isolation beard, uh, but this is going to be the last time you're going to see it because this afternoon I'm going to be shaving off this bad boy. Um, I don't know how you guys who have a beard, I don't know how you guys like uh, cope with it. It's just so itchy all the time and so it's going to be gone this afternoon, but I thought I would just have it for one last Sunday. Well, this morning we are in John chapter 15, and the title of my message this morning is The Secret to Fruit Bearing. In John 15, Jesus has left the upper room. It is Thursday night. On Friday, Jesus is going to be crucified, and he's taken his disciples to the upper room. He shared Passover with them. He has taught them that they should love one another. But now he rises from the table and he leads his disciples down through the dusty streets of Jerusalem. And there he comes upon a grapevine. And as he sees that grapevine, Jesus realizes that this is the perfect opportunity to teach his disciples a very important spiritual lesson, the secret to bearing fruit. Now, it's as if Jesus takes his disciples into a vineyard, and there before them, he shows four different buckets that have grapes in them harvested from four different types of branches. As you look in the first bucket, you see that there are no grapes. There are no grapes in that bucket. Sadly, Jesus says that some branches will bear no fruit, and those branches will be taken away. But then you look into the second bucket, And in the second bucket, you see some fruit. Jesus says that those branches will be pruned so that they'll be even more fruitful. Then you look into the third bucket, and there is more fruit. This has come from branches who have gone through the pruning process. But as you come to the last bucket, it is just overflowing with fruit. Fruit is overflowing in that last bucket. You know, Jesus says in John 15, verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You know, what God the Father wants from us is he wants lives that bear fruit, because this brings him honor, and it also uh, demonstrates that we are disciples of Jesus. You know, I wonder when you think about your life, Which bucket best represents your life? Is it the first bucket, no fruit? Maybe you have some fruit. Maybe you've been through a period of pruning and there is more fruit that is now coming out. Maybe, praise God, you have an abundance of fruit being born in your life. You know, as this week as I was thinking about my own life, I think, you know, bucket three best represents me. That, you know, there I've been through a period of pruning and now. God is starting to produce more fruit in my life. But you know what? I want to go on to that fourth bucket. I want to be a person who bears much fruit and demonstrates that I am a disciple of Jesus. So how do you go from some fruit to more fruit to an abundance of fruit? Well, you need to learn the secret to bearing fruit. And Jesus said that the secret to bearing much fruit is just one word. One thing, look down your Bibles in verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me. That's it. It's that simple. All you need to do to bear fruit is abide in 
Jesus, as Jesus said, uh, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's that simple. All you need to do is abide in Jesus. But what does it mean to abide in Jesus? And how do we abide in Jesus? You know, um, maybe you can relate to what J.D. Greer writes in one of his books. He says, abiding in Jesus may sound like spiritual mumbo-jumbo to you. It always did to me. I assumed that when you were abiding in Jesus, you'd walk around with an ethereal glow in your eye and you'd wake up at 4 a.m. strumming worship tunes on the golden harp you keep beside your bed. You know, maybe that's how you have pictured abiding in Jesus, that the people who abide in Jesus have this ethereal glow and they're always strumming worship tunes to Jesus. Well, no, abiding in Jesus is not like that. It's way more simple than that. You see, the Greek word for abide is the word meno. It means to remain in, to dwell in, to make your home in. And in particular, I think that abiding in Jesus involves three things. Firstly, it involves resting in his, um, resting in his uh, work. Secondly, it, it involves um, relying on his provisions. And finally, it involves um, remaining in close fellowship with him. But this morning, let's look at those three things. Let's look at how we can abide. So firstly, to abide in Jesus, we must rest in his work. You see, before Jesus says, abide in me, in verse 4, he says this in verse 3. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Already you have been cleansed from all of your sin. And this is not because of your work. It's not because of your religious activity. But it's because of the word that I have spoken to you, the gospel. You see, there is a difference between religion and the gospel. You see, religion says that you have to work in order to earn God's favor, whereas the gospel says that it's through the work of Jesus that you come into favor with God. You see, religion says, just do it, whereas the gospel says, it is finished. Jesus has done all the work. See, religion says, you must earn God's love, whereas the gospel says, God's love has been given to you by grace. And therefore, what it means firstly, in order to abide in Jesus, is it firstly means to rest in his work for your approval before God. And you know, this is so important because so often our hearts go towards legalism. Our hearts go towards religion. Our hearts trend towards thinking that if we've had a good week and we've done our spiritual exercises, then then somehow we must have more acceptance with God. But it's just not true. And if you follow that pathway, it will eventually lead to spiritual burnout and frustration. You know, I grew up um, playing music. I grew up playing the violin as a kid, and I just loved playing music as, as a kid. I just loved playing violin. And I played music all throughout my teenage years, and then throughout high school I played music. And even when I went to high school, I, I, even when I went to university, I went and studied uh, music at university. But when I was at university, my love for music started to wane. And this was because when I was at university, um, one of the things that, that, that happened if you, when you study music at university is that um, you have to, every term, we had to do this performance seminar where we had to stand up in front of all of the people uh, in university and perform 
for them, and they would critique our performance. And if you weren't improving as a musician, you could get cut from uh, the program. And so you are always under this pressure to perform. You are always under this pressure to make the grade. You know, if that is like that in your spiritual life, if, you're, if you always feel like you're under pressure to perform, to earn God's favor, to make the grade, then your love for God will start to wane. You see, if you're looking down the line of your branch at your fruit, then I think you'll become frustrated. You need to look back towards the vine, back towards Jesus, and abide in his work, in what he did for you. You see, if you pray because you feel guilty, prayer won't be a delight. Or if you serve God just out of guilt, serving will become not a delight, but it will become a drudgery. Or if you share the gospel with people because you have to, rather than out of your zeal for Jesus, then sharing the gospel won't be something that you like doing. You see, this is all important that we rest in his work for us on the cross because that will provide the motivation to bear much fruit. As John would say, we love him because he first loved us. So as we look at his great love for us towards, uh, that he has had towards us at the cross, it just fills us with passion. It fills us with motivation for him. So how do we abide in Christ? Well, firstly, we need to rest in his work. Now, how do you do that practically? Well, J.D. Greer, in his book, um, The Gospel, the revolutionary message that made, uh, the message that made Christianity revolutionary, he suggests that what you do is every day you pray this gospel prayer. Let me read the gospel prayer out to you. It goes like this. I thank you, Father, that now I am in Christ. Nothing that I can do will make you love me any less, and nothing that I can do will make you love me any more. What a beautiful prayer. You know, if every day this week you prayed that prayer, it would help you to abide in Jesus. It would help you to rest in his work. So how do we abide in Jesus? Well, firstly, we need to rest in his work. But secondly, we need to rely on his resources. You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought that the way to live the Christian life was that at the cross I was forgiven. And then the way to live the Christian life was I just needed to try really, really hard, try really, really hard in my own strength to keep the commands of the Bible. But it wasn't far into my Christian life that I started to fail and I started to experience, experience a lot of failure over and over again. I wonder if, if you know what I'm talking about, if you've experienced a lot of failure over and over again in your Christian life. I mean, I felt like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. You know, I looked in my life and I, I had the desire to do what is good, but I didn't seem to have the will to do it. You know, the, the good that I wanted to do, I just did not do. And the bad that I didn't want to do, I just kept on doing. Well, then I discovered this really amazing truth. Look down in verse 4 again. Jesus says, abide in me. And then he says, and I in you. You see, not only do we abide in Jesus, but the truth of the gospel is that now we've come to Christ, Christ now abides in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, Jesus reminds us in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, we tend to forget that. We tend to think that we are the vine, we are the source of spiritual life, but all we are are branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. And then Jesus goes on to say something really powerful. He says, whoever abides in me 
and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Just circle the word whoever in your Bible. I love that word. You see, often we think we can't grow spiritually because we mightn't have the right personality or we mightn't be much in ourselves. But Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. If you abide in Jesus, regardless of your personality, regardless of who you are, if you abide in Jesus and he abides in you, you will bear much fruit. So the second thing that we need to do if we are to abide in Jesus is not only rest in his work for our acceptance before God, but we also need to rely on his resources. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Some of you might be thinking, well, Timon, does that mean that I just sit there and do nothing and I'm just zapped by God? Or where is the place of discipline in the Christian life? Well, there is a place for discipline in the Christian life. You know, Paul would write to his young protege, Timothy. He would say, Timothy, you need to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Or Paul would say over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he would say, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So there is this place for discipline. Discipline puts us in the place where we can actually receive God's spiritual resources. So I'm not saying that you just do nothing, that you just sit there and let God zap you. But how do you practically, how do you practically gain access to God's resources? Well, I think you gain access to God's resources through prayer and through claiming God's promises. In prayer, we come to God and we take our situations and our circumstances to God and we lay them before him. Notice this amazing promise that Jesus made in verse 7. He says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What an amazing promise. That if we depend upon him and his word resides in us, then we can ask, and it will be done for us. But as I said, not only does it take prayer, but it's also depending on Jesus or relying on his resources is about claiming his promises. You know, and God has made you many promises in his word. Do you need peace this morning? Well, then you can turn to one of his promises in Philippians 4. And there is a promise there that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you need victory in your life? Well, then you can turn to Philippians 4, verse 13, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do you need guidance this morning? Well, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that you can trust in the Lord with all your heart, and if you lean not on your own understanding, and if in all your ways you acknowledge Him, He will make your paths straight. So to depend on Jesus, to abide in Jesus, means firstly, to rest in His work. It also means to rely on His resources, but finally, and importantly, I think it means to remain in close fellowship with him. Notice in verse 9, Jesus says this. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just as the Father is delighted in me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Then he says, abide or remain, make your home in my love. Now, how do you do this, Jesus? How do you have this close communion? Well, Jesus explains in verse 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. 
The way that you remain in close fellowship with Jesus, abiding in his love, is by walking step by step, day by day with Jesus, in obedience to Jesus. And then Jesus says this in verse 11, I have spoken this to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, there's no other place to have fullness of joy than when you are walking step by step, moment by moment, in close fellowship with Jesus. So how do you abide in Jesus? Well, firstly, you need to rest in His work. Secondly, you need to rely on His resources. And thirdly, you need to remain in close fellowship with Him. You know, um, Bruce Wilkinson, in his book, The Secrets of the Vine, he shares with us, I think, some very practical principles for how we can develop that close fellowship with Jesus day by day. He shares two principles. Firstly, he says, he gives us this principle. He says, to break through to abiding, to break through to that place of close fellowship with Jesus, he says, you must firstly deepen the quality of your devoted time with God. You know, I know many of you out there might have, you know, a time with God every morning where you, you spend time, quality time with God every morning. And, but, but Wilkinson says that the way that you break through to close fellowship with Jesus is it's not just about having a time with God, but it's actually about deepening that time. And then he gives us some practical suggestions on how to actually do that. He says, firstly, you need to set apart the kind of time that will build relationship. You know, I know in my relationship with Tegan, my wife, that I can't build a close relationship with Tegan if I just spend just little moments with her here and there. If I'm going to break through and have a close relationship with my wife, Tegan, then I need to set aside quality time, quality time with her. And the same is true for our relationship with God. You can't develop a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus unless you set aside the type type of time that you need to develop that relationship. Well, next, um, Wilkinson, the next suggestion Wilkinson gives is he says you need to talk and listen to a person. If you're going to deepen your time with Jesus, then you need to not just see it as a time where you're learning theological knowledge, but where you're getting to know him personally. You know, God is a person and you need to get to know him personally. And then Wilkinson suggests that the third practical thing that you can do is keep a daily record of what God is doing in your life. Keep a journal where you record your prayers and your requests and the things that God is saying to you. You know, if you keep that type of journal, then you'll be able to look back and see what God said to you last week, what he said to you six months ago, what he said to you a year ago. You know, at our church, we, we suggest that people do this thing called SOAP journaling. Uh, SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's a way to actually study the Scriptures. So as you're reading the Bible, you, you look for a Scripture that God is speaking to you from, and you write that out. Then you make an observation on that Scripture, and you write that out. Then you make an application where you think God is leading you in an area of obedience, and then you write out a prayer to God. You know, if you did that every day, you'd be able to look back and you'd be able to see how God has been moving and how God has been growing you. But the second principle that um, uh, Wilkinson gives us is he says, not only must you deepen the quality of your devoted time with God, but secondly, he says, to break through to abiding, you must also broaden your devoted time, taking it from a morning appointment 
to an all-day attentive, attentiveness to his presence. You must take it just from this morning appointment that you have with Jesus to being a person who lives with an attentiveness that he is with you through every moment of your day. You know, in the 17th century, there was this um, uh, guy by the name of, uh, he was called Brother Lawrence, and uh, he wrote a, a very famous book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Uh, it's become a Christian classic, and it's helped literally millions of people. And uh, it's interesting because Brother Lawrence, he was not a pastor, he was not a preacher, he was just a kitchen hand. But he had learnt how to abide daily in the presence of Jesus, how to develop and cultivate this awareness that Jesus was with him his whole life. And he writes this in, he writes this in the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. He says, I do nothing else every day but abide in his holy presence. And I do this by simple attentiveness and by a habitual, loving turning of my eyes on him. This I call a wordless and secret conversation between the soul and God which no longer ends. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I mean, as I was studying this week, I was thinking, that's the type of close relationship that I want to have with Jesus. Not just where I meet him in the morning, but where all throughout the day I am talking to him. I'm aware that he is present right there with me, and I'm following his leadings moment by moment. So how do you abide in Jesus? Well, as we've seen this morning, I think to abide in Jesus means to rest in His work for your approval before God. It means to rely on His resources for your spiritual growth. And it means to remain in close fellowship with Him. You know, when you think about your life, which one of those four buckets that I mentioned at the beginning represent your life? Is there no fruit? Is there some fruit? Maybe you've been through a season of pruning and there's more fruit. Maybe there is much fruit. How do you bear much fruit? Well, as Jesus said, the one thing that you need to do as a branch is you just need to abide. Rest in His work. Rely on His resources. Remain in close fellowship with Him. Maybe as you look back on this week, you've moved from resting in his finished work and your heart is now looking towards your works. Maybe you need to go back and reaffirm the truth of the gospel that nothing you've ever done will make him love you any less and nothing you'll ever do will make him any love you any more. You are loved by God because you're in Christ. Maybe you need to um, just affirm that and claim a promise of God and bring, bring, bring your situation or your circumstance to God and in prayer today. Um, maybe what you need to do is you need to develop some spiritual habit or practice where you start meeting with God every day so that you'll become attentive to His presence in your life and cultivate that deep fellowship with Jesus. You know, maybe this morning you are yet to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're just watching and you've just tuned in this morning and you're just checking out this whole Christian deal and you're yet to experience a relationship with Jesus. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer in a second that 
that you can pray along with so that you can actually receive Jesus into your life. You see, God wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to live a life that brings honor to him, a life that proves that Jesus is good and that he is a worthy savior. And you can pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer this morning, your whole life will be transformed. So let me pray a prayer. And I invite you, if God is moving in your heart, to pray this prayer along with me. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, I come to you now. I recognize that I have been living my life for myself. And Lord, I just come to you now and I just confess my sin. And I'm thankful that Jesus, he died on the cross for me. I'm thankful that he came and he died for me and so that I might know God. And right now, Lord God, I just receive Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I want to abide in Jesus and I want to bear that fruit that you promised will come as I abide in him and rest in him, rely on him and remain in fellowship with him. Oh Lord, I just pray that you would come into my life in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer this morning, then you have been changed. You've been forgiven of all your sin. God has set his love upon you and you are now not only uh, are you in Christ, but Christ is now in you. And all you have to do to bear fruit is just one simple thing. And that's abide. Abide in Him.